Hi, thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. And I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Church members, Aaron Copeland will offer our prayer for illumination. Brothers and sisters, please pray with me. Abba, we come before you in this moment in time to present a new Christian life to you. Hear our words and actions as your will. Bless our minds, bodies, and souls to a path led by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Listen for the word of God in the reading of Mark 1, verses 16 through 20. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired man and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A little while ago, when the Lyons family led us in our affirmation of faith at Braylock, it was a moment of calm. And they voiced their desire, our desire, to return to a more crowded and louder time there, the noise and busyness of Picnic Sunday. But after voicing our desire to be at a noisy and crowded Braylock again, the lion stepped out of the way so that we could see the serenity of the mountains and in a moment of quiet reflection confess, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When Jesus encounters Simon and Andrew, and then James and John and Zebedee and their fishing crew on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, it was a moment of calm. At least, that's how I imagine it, having been to the Sea of Galilee. I was able to visit the Holy Land thanks to a trip organized by Lil Brown, God bless her. Before the trip, I looked forward to seeing those historical sites, those places where you could say, oh, that happened here. Like Masada, the fortification on top of a rock plateau where 960 Jewish rebels, including women and children, held off a Roman legion of 15,000 for over two months, excavated Roman cities like Caesarea Philippi, And Jerusalem, where empires rose and then fell, where temples were built and then destroyed, where crowds demonstrated in public and private subversive meetings were held in private. And Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, and Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. And I did love seeing those places. But what I loved most was the Sea of Galilee and the fields around it. 
Because after all, what I wanted most out of this trip to the Holy Land was to spend some time with Jesus. And it was in the countryside, not in churches or synagogues or museums and national parks. It was in the country where it was easiest to imagine Jesus sitting just with me as he did with his disciples, sharing his wisdom on God's will and talking to me about my purpose in the world. Yes, Jesus would later have to face crowds and chaos, even on those very fields and on that very sea. And I knew that I would have to return from the Holy Land and get back into my busy life as a family member and the pastor of a church. But it was in the country where I could most easily imagine Jesus having time just for me. Now, who knows what time it is when Jesus has his conversation with these fishermen. I can't imagine it was in the heat of the day. I don't want to imagine that it was in the morning, but that might be just because as a son and as a father, I don't want to think of James and John saying, see ya, to their dad and then abandoning him to the day's work. So imagine this scene in the late afternoon. Simon and Andrew are casting their nets, hoping for one last catch, and James and John are mending the damage done to their nets that day. It is quiet, and with the setting sun and the late afternoon breeze, it is cool. Perfect weather for a conversation. I also like to think that Simon and Andrew and James and John will treasure the memory of this moment for the rest of their lives, this is a rare moment when Jesus can speak to each of them. A moment when they first feel a claim on their lives. A, a moment when they find something more of their life's purpose. A moment that brings them into a movement. They will remember this as their call before the storm moment. For storms are coming. It won't be long before word spreads about Jesus' healings. It won't be long before his reputation goes viral and crowds get to be so big that Jesus has to stand in a boat to speak to them, then has to cross in a boat to the other side of the lake just to get away from them, which doesn't work, by the way. They find him and he can't quiet his compassion. He finds a way to feed them, to do what is needed to be done, all 5,000 of them. This is before Jesus preaches and teaches powerfully on behalf of the meek and the poor. Before he has to face religious leaders who want to silence him or political leaders who want him to disappear. Before he offends almost every single partisan faction in his world, every special interest group, by speaking truth that doesn't settle well with any of them. It's before he speaks truth to every imaginable power, priests and lay leaders and zealots and friends and kings and governors. This is long before the last week of Jesus' life when his reputation is attacked to delegitimize him, when he is arrested without cause, when he is brutalized while in custody and is killed after political powers, knowing that he is innocent find it politically expedient to have him gone. Storms are coming. But right now, in the calm of the late afternoon, water lapping on the shore, a cool breeze, 
Jesus is speaking to four people about how they might want to live their lives. I'm going to use my imagination some more. Mark summarizes the conversation that Jesus has with the disciples in this way. Jesus says, come follow me, four of them leave their nets and follow him. Typical Mark. Since he doesn't flesh out the conversation, I will. And because my mind can wander, sometimes it will sound like he is talking to them then, and sometimes it will sound like he is talking to us now. But that's how it works with Holy Scripture, rightly heard. Its world works its way into our world. Here's what Jesus says in my imagination. Look, storms are coming whether you follow me or not. You know that. You know how it gets with where you live and where you work. Parent gets sick. Child has trouble at school. A friend needs your help. A co-worker is a thorn in your side. A pandemic shuts a city down, and then the city wakes back up again with protests in the streets. Now, if you follow me, those storms are not going to go away. Some preachers might preach in my name and say that by following me, you'll be safer or richer, or by calling on me, you can avoid the worst that life can throw at you. But ignore their color commentary because in inviting you to follow me, I'm asking you to go where I go. I go where the sick are needing healing. Sinners are needing forgiving. Where crowds are needing direction. Into communities where most of the people do not look like or think like you, like in Samaria or Roanoke. You'll even end up in capital cities like Jerusalem or Richmond or Washington, D.C., because God's realm holds the world's realms accountable. What I'm saying to you is that the God in me makes me stand with God. And to follow me is to stand with God, too. It's it's to have this moral compass where due north is radical love. Radical love of God, radical love of God's world, radical love of all the people who live on God's world. And that's going to invite some trouble. That's going to invite some risk and sacrifice. And it's going to break your heart sometimes. But here's what's wonderful. You already matter to God. I mean, everybody matters to God, but... By following me, you're going to know God more because your heart is going to be where God's heart is and it will break where God's heart breaks. And a broken heart is going to let some pain in. But a broken heart is able to let joy out. Now, don't you think that such a life can be a gift? Boy, in my imagination, Jesus is wordy, isn't he? Storms are raging in a world right now. You can hear the howling winds of a pandemic and the thunder of protest. But this worship service provides a moment of calm when we can look to the distant mountains and remember that our help comes in the name of the Lord, which is to say our help comes in the ways of the Lord. 
and two sacraments, baptism and a meal. Help us hear the call before the storm. Reverend Link described at Lacey's baptism that she is a child of God, redeemed by Christ. Now, right now, Lacey is a small, adorable little girl with a wet head. She will return home today to the nurture and care of a loving family that will protect her and will do things like turn the TV off when there are disturbing images on the screen. But that little girl is going to grow up. And the most important responsibility that her family has and that we have as a church is to prepare her to live as a follower of Jesus, to be a witness to him in calm and in chaos, a witness to what is good and decent and right. Trouble is going to come, but we want her to know that the best reason that she'll ever have to get into trouble is when she gets into trouble by following Jesus. And we're about to share a meal together. Reverend Thompson Orfield will stand before us and one last time remind us that on a quiet night before a storm, the night before Jesus is arrested, he takes bread and he breaks it, showing them how fierce is his and God's love. He is willing to put his life on the line for the sake of this broken world that it might be healed. And he calls us to share in that meal and to follow him and to help bring that healing about. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup and go where God goes and have our hearts broken where God's heart breaks, we make a witness to God's realm until such a day when the lion lies with the lamb, enemies become friends, and there are no more divides of class and race among us. Followers who answer the call before the storm are called to that witness. But we'll need our strength. So come to the table and let's eat. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.